we want to build the biggest and best nursery group in yeah. Peterborough. If we've got to go from here to there in three years, what's the likely scale up? So is it specific? Is it measurable? Is it attainable? Is it relevant? And is it time? Someone who's a millionaire that wants to be a billionaire is an abject failure. Every area of the business is interdependent on the other areas. And that's really interesting because I never thought of them as two separate businesses. I'm here today with Lee. I've known Lee for some time. Um, and Lee is in the process of setting up a new business. So we're here, we're gonna do a live mentoring session. Uh, hopefully you enjoy that. And, and, and Lee and I are, are gonna talk about that business and, and give Lee the start of a plan to move forward with. Yeah, so, sounds great. So good with you, Lee. So yeah, so yeah as I was saying, um, known you on the property development side, uh, you and Charlotte are now getting into a new business. Tell me a little bit about. Yeah, so my background has been in property development and I've been doing that for 12 years now. And what I have always done has been very much deal driven. So it has always been buying a building, getting planning permission, selling it or developing it. But what I never had along the way was a regular source of income. Right. So I've always been looking at, well, for the last few years especially, I've been looking at getting involved in a business where we can really create something that provides regular cash flow, regular income and something that we can yeah. scale. But it had to be something that we could bring expert, expertise into. So yeah. Charlotte is, Charlotte, my wife, is a primary school teacher and she's an excellent primary school teacher. And I feel like I'm really passionate, really confident when it comes to business and entrepreneurship and that kind of thing. So we thought we would team together and a nursery would be an ideal business for us okay. because it's something where we can bring both of our expertise um, and something that we think we can really grow and really be passionate about and, and put a lot of energy into. And the good, the good part about doing property is you can always do that on the side or whatever business yeah. you're involved with, property always fits in with that. And it's something you can do for the rest of your life. So it works well for my and existing businesses. As well. Yeah, it's complimentary. So we spent a little bit of time looking for opportunities. This Originally, it was in London where we were living, but we moved back to Peterborough where we are now. And since moving back, we were kind of looking for opportunities. And we came across this one nursery, which was about 15 minutes away from where we live. Okay. Um, originally, it had sold to somebody else. And we kind of came too late. You know, when we first saw it, it had already sold to somebody. So, so where we're at now, though, is you, you've got a nursery. Yeah, so we've got um, a nursery now. What's the timing in terms of you yeah. starting that, launching that, and you're going into it as an operational nursery, is that correct? Yeah, so it's, a current, it's an existing nursery that's already running. It's yeah. got a manager in situ. Um, we're at the stage now where we have agreed heads, and ter heads of terms. We have an exclusivity period for the next 12 weeks. Um, and we're just going through the due diligence process, which the solicitor is obviously doing right. on our behalf. So it could, could be 12 weeks time? It, yeah, it could be. It could be 10 weeks. Okay. could be sooner. So, so to me, it's a great time to be having this conversation because all too often when I'm going into businesses, uh, I'm going in because there is a problem in place and we've got to overcome that problem. Yeah. So we look into a place in the future that might be better, bigger, more profitable, uh, more valuable as a business. Uh, but we've got to start almost behind the wire yeah. because we're having to overcome issues and restructure that business before we can then propel forward. Yeah. But this is great because essentially what I've been doing for many years, at least 10, 15 years now, is working on one-page strategic maps. Okay. So what I want to say is, where are we today? Where is it we're gonna, we want to be in the future? What areas do we need to work on to get from where we are to where we want to be and then what initiatives in each of those areas okay. which we can then break down further and we can allocate to people's responsibilities but it was interesting when you were talking about Charlotte being a great primary school teacher 
And and that's the case with a lot of businesses that they are a great plumber, they are a great programmer, they are a great teacher, and the transition that they need to make is important as part of this transition map as well. Because what we need to do is almost say, okay, that's working on the tools as it were, or being a great teacher. Actually, what you need to become is a great business person who employs great teachers, and you might be one of the great teachers within that. But the transition, people often believe, because I'm the best plumber in the area, I'm gonna have a massive plumbing business. Because I'm the best computer program in the area, I'm going to have the best computer program in business. And actually, we need to elevate away from the doing because every time you're physically doing what it is that is your skill set, if you're coming from a position like that, uh, you're actually not got your eyes on the broader business. You've not got the perspective on the business and you may not be looking at the marketing or the finances and everything else. So the whole idea of a combined map that that converges together to a future that gives you those returns that you want, that ticks those goals or achieves those goals that you want to achieve, is that we look at all the areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in a nursery, we've got loads to think about. It's kind of, you're taking my child. I've been at home with them for nine months and I'm going to completely entrust them to you. Yeah. So obviously reputation becomes a big thing. What's the past reputation? How can we improve on where that is today? Yeah. Um, What's the capacity in there? Can we grow that business to the scale? Or do we need to look at growing other nurseries, building that brand out into the area, out into the region, or even nationally? So what thoughts have you had about, so we get this first nursery, if that was our current state, uh, let's say we've got one nursery, how many children do you know that that's That's got roughly? It's registered for about 30. So 30. Between 30 and 35. 30 to 35 children. And if we were looking forward, uh, to the future, what you've obviously talked with Charlotte about, you know, let's go forward five years, let's say. Yeah. We do a three-year plan. But if we've got a really detailed focus plan, often that's the difference between meandering our way to it. So we can actually often achieve five years of goals in three years if we get the focus plan that keeps us okay. on the right track. So let's say it was a five-year goal, but we're going to aim to try and concertina that down. Okay. Where would you be in five years, do you think, in an ideal world, in your dream of where you take that business? Well, for me, it's very much about building a legacy and building something big. So I wouldn't want to stop at just one nursery. I think the plan is, the initial plan is to focus on the one, get the formula right, and then be in a position where we can scale it and buy more nurseries or start new nurseries from scratch. So the ultimate goal is to create a nursery group. And that could be 10 nurseries, could be 20, it could be 100. There are people in the industry that have started with one and gone on to buy 100 nurseries within five years. So we know it's in the realms of what we can do. But obviously, there's a lot of unknowns along the way. And because it's a new business for us, we, you know, we, we don't necessarily know how to run a nursery. You know, we know I understand business and accounting and that kind of thing, but we don't know the fundamentals. But we've got a manager in place that's running it now, yeah. can run it. Yeah. And it is it's it's independent of the current owners. Yes. Or have you got to suddenly go in and pick up their job? So it's independent from the owners to an extent. In a day-to-day... Yeah, yeah. I think there's a little bit of involvement from the current owner, but I think the, the nursery can run on its own. I think the, the manager can do most things. So there shouldn't be too much pressure on us from day one, but I think we want to be able to learn from the manager and especially for Charlotte, we need to make sure that Charlotte can replace the manager if she needs to. So she needs to know everything about the business. She'll do that by shadowing initially? I think so. Yeah, shadowing, working with the manager. Um, And for me, I will probably sit above that and just be the overall kind of outside business part. The way that Charlotte described it, which which I quite liked, was that she would be the heart and I would be the head. Okay. 
Yeah, and so so you you obviously joined up in that yeah. sense, but you you have separate and different yeah. roles, and I think that's quite important in business. Yeah. Now, one of the things I would say is that when we were talking about where could you be, you, you said, oh, it could be 10, could be 20, could be 100, because other people have done that. Yeah. And often in business, it's that kind of broad um, future that people have in their mind. They know they want to grow, yeah. but they literally, and, and we're, we're just chatting here, but that is exactly what people say. Oh, it could be 10, it could be 20, it could be 100. And that's a bit to me like jumping into a taxi driver, uh, into a taxi and saying to the driver, uh, just take me north, mate. <laughs> I want to go that way, please. And he'll say, come on, give me, give me a hand. Where exactly are you going? Yeah. And even if you then said, take me to Birmingham, well, it's a big city. You know, if you go that side of Birmingham, it's going to be an hour across the city to that side. So ideally, they're wanting an address or a postcode. They're wanting something to be specific. Okay. So what we, you know, and it's become a cliche to talk about smart goals. Uh, and when I mentor, I make notes of the things we talk about and I send a follow-up, but smart goals. So is it specific? Is it measurable? Is it attainable? Is it relevant? And is it timed? Okay. So the problem is when we say 10, 20, 100, that's not very specific. That's quite broad. Okay. And that's like saying to a taxi driver, can you just take me north? Yeah. Now, the reason I use the, the, the example of a taxi driver is we've got our conscious, we've got our subconscious, but the thing that most drives us towards the future or changes our behavior is our creative subconscious, which is called our taxi driver. And the problem is people say, I just want to be successful. Yeah. Well, you know, what's successful? Is that earning £10 more than I earned last week? Yeah. Or, or is that being a millionaire or a billionaire or having 10 nurseries or 100 nurseries? So even though you don't know exactly how you're going to get there, just the same when you get into a taxi, you don't know how he's going, to, which route he's going to take, which lefts, which rights, which T-junctions. You're putting your faith in him to get you to that address or her once you give them that address okay. specifically. Okay. Equally, your creative subconscious is incredible for once you set it, a very specific goal. It, it's let's say you say I want to buy one of those new Range Rovers. I'd love to get one. Suddenly you start seeing them everywhere. They yeah. were always around you, yeah. but your sub creative subconscious is now alerting you to that. Whether it's looking through a magazine on an advert or on the road. Equally, when you set more specific goals, your creative subconscious alerts you every time there is something that can get you to that destination. Interesting. So although people think, well, I don't know, Mike. I don't know if it's going to be ten or a hundred. Let's pick a number that you believe with some comfort in your ability, in your um, uh, team to get you from. Now, we don't need to know all the detail. We set off and we course correct. Okay. But that's too broad uh, a range. So part of the three-year planning is to say, look, what's realistic? What would you, where would you be disappointed mm -hmm. if we didn't get to in three years? Okay. So I oh, know if we still had one, I'd be really like disappointed. I'd like to think we could get to 20. Yeah. But I'm more than confident, and Charlotte's more than confident, to set a goal to say we'll have a dozen nurseries in three years' time. But it's got to be your number. I'm not trying to push you into that. Yeah. Because, you know, there, I, I know people, even who I'm mentoring now, I say, I'm going to be a million. I'm going to be a millionaire in eight years. And, you know, that's their goal. And I completely believe it. Now, I meet another person, and they might just say, I just want to be able to pay my house off uh, and do this. And it, someone who's a millionaire that wants to be a billionaire is an abject failure. Okay. Someone who um, is a teacher that loves being a teacher is more successful than that millionaire yeah. because they're where they want to be in life. They're achieving what they want to achieve in life, yeah. and that's their goal. So we've got to find your goal, Charlotte's goals, converge them because equally it might be that you're thinking 100 yeah. and she's thinking 10. Yeah. And then you've got two people, the head and the heart are in completely different places, True. which ends up to mental health issues. Yeah. And sorts of things. <laughs> so we want to get them lined. We want to get them converged, and we want okay. to get to a future state of metrics 
that you both buy into and is a destination that we want to go for. Okay. So that's how many nurseries. And then we start to expand that what other metrics might, might we measure it by. And what you don't want is 12 nurseries that are losing money. True. So what we might then say is where are we currently, the, the, the nursery is turning over... 400 grand a year. 400 grand a year. Um, it's got 30 to 35 children it employs... 14 people, uh, 12 people. Let's 12, 12 people. Do you know what the EBITDA is currently? It's about 60K a year. So about 60K net net profit. Mm -hmm. So what we say is they're the metrics by today. That's our current state, our future state. Imagine, and just dream with me a little bit. We go forward three years. Because we've got a really detailed focus map, we could probably get five years of achievement in that time. Yeah. And that's what I've found over 20 years of mentoring, advising different businesses, but certainly the last 10 working on this mapping system. Okay. And I've helped homeless people change their circumstances. I've helped celebrities and I've helped businesses, small businesses. I've helped uh, divisions of, of large businesses like Coca-Cola and Tesco's and companies like that, global okay. businesses. Amazing. But what we do need is to say, okay, we've got some Focus. metrics here. Yeah. Let's dream forward a little bit. What would that 400,000 turnover be like? Do you think, where, where would you hope it would be, aim yeah. for it to be? I think because the issue with nurseries is that you have uh, staff to children ratios and you can only have a specific amount of children per square meter of floor space within yeah. your property. So it's not like we could say, right, we've got 30 children in the nursery now, but we're going to get that up to 50 because you physically can't. You only have a limited amount of so space. So growth will come out of more nurseries. So growth will come out of new, that yeah, expanding space. that one into a new premises or buying more nurseries and expanding the group. So that's how we're going to grow. Yeah. The other part of this specific nursery is that they have a forest school which i'm not sure if you know about kind of what that is but basically it's a separate kind of environment within a woodlands <clears throat> or a forest where they teach the children outdoor learning using yeah. tools being amongst nature no, actually on secret millionaire I, I i did newark um adventure playground and okay. they've got a they've got an outside school like oh, cool. that, okay it's in like a prefab but they take them they teach them all of the outside yeah um they talk they talk about the environment they talk about yeah. all, all of those things and, and it's so really it's popular yeah, it's yeah. really really popular there are forest schools at the moment in our area and all of them are fully booked like you really struggle to get places in them so we know that the forestry school sorry forest school is something that we can expand because at the moment they only hold one session a week for the nursery children and one session for the general public. Now we think that we can put sessions on every day or even twice a day. So we can take the current income from the forestry school and maybe times it by five. So, so to me, that's where we start to look at a business. And what we say is, um, if I if I was a, a heating engineer, let's say, and I'm currently fitting boilers, generally, yeah. I want to diversify my business slightly and use those same skills to move into renewables. Yeah. Or if I'm Cadbury's, I've got dairy milk, but I also want to grow crunchy as a yeah. product kind of thing. Yeah. So even though it's complementary and that it's in the same sector, it's the same skill set. Yeah. It's a different target audience that needs its own marketing. Yeah. And, and so on. So yeah. So in that, do, are you saying that? In this current nursery that you're starting with, you can have 30 to 35 children, but you could use that forestry bit to bring in 300 children across a week in different slots yeah, or something like that. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, there's no reason why we couldn't. So yeah. what we want to get to then is, where does that? what does that look like in the future? And I know this is like, it's uncomfortable for people, partly because we're asking them to be very specific when they don't know what the future is going yeah. to bring. They don't know what challenges. Yeah. And even though you can never exactly follow a map, if we've got a clear route of how we're going to get from where we are to where we want to be, even it, like a sat-nav, I put the postcode in and it works it all out. Uh, or I give it to a taxi driver and he knows or she knows how they're going to get there. 
But even if we hit a traffic jam or something happens along the way, if you've got a clear route, it's just a small bit that we need Diversion. to bypass okay. or divert around. So equally, let's set a, a clear goal. Yeah. We and, and what I say is we set our goals in concrete, but our plans in sand. Okay. So if we had to have some concrete goals and you had to kind of like make a commitment now about where you think that's going to be. And it is amazing that when you make a commitment, you then find out how to do it. Okay. Or your taxi driver, you give them an address, I'll work out how to get there. Yeah. You know, your creative subconscious, give it a goal that, that you're not like, think that's crazy pie yeah. in the sky. Yeah. And even sometimes then people do achieve it. But what does it look like? Well, so for we the could forest say, school. what's the income from the nurseries? What's the income from the Yeah. So schools? at the moment, the forest school, I think it makes about 500 quid a week in income. Okay. So not a lot, but I think that we can we can increase that by fivefold. Okay. And that's in by holding three years or in the current with, in the within current... six months. Okay. Yeah. So in one nursery, we can take it from five hundred pound a week to two and a half to three thousand pounds a week. Yeah, okay. I believe so. Yeah. But you want more more than one forestry school, or so you want this, to buy nurseries and add forestry. Exactly. Schools. So the, the forest school is very important for us because it really fits into what our ethos is and our vision for the group that we want to create because we're very we're very interested in outdoor learning and nature and that's that's kind of an inspiration and that us. also me just thinking aloud here from nurseries that i've known and i worked with a few over the last few years and a few apps that support nurseries and so yeah. on over the last few years that gives you a usp as well exactly because if i've got a choice between this nursery and this yeah. nursery and this nursery can give my child some outside skills some additional curriculum yeah. uh, areas of knowledge yeah and actually getting some outside uh, yeah. air fresh air and so on as well it's more important but so we hope that every nursery that we come to buy in the future has a provision for a forest school or outdoor space where yeah, we can yeah. create that that kind of learning so that's going to be our formula is the nursery and the nursery is going to have specific ways that we educate the children and yeah, yeah. that can be inspired by montessori or uh, reggio and there's a, a a process it's called loose parts basically where children work with loose toys and that kind of thing so we're going to be quite specific in our kind of um the way that we operate our nursery people will recognize us for, for the way yeah, that we do it and the forest school is going to be important so when it comes to looking at new venue or new premises we're going to make sure that there's that provision so that will be what people will hopefully so, know us for and just thinking aloud from me here often when you get two streams of a business or multiple streams of a business obviously it gives it more security True. but you will find that some streams uh can grow in their own right so let's say that I'm going to pick a number here, but you, you, it needs to be you and Charlotte. Yeah. But let's say we said, okay, in, in three to five years' time, we're going to want 10 nurseries. Yeah. I'm hearing, I think, that you could have 10 nurseries that you own that have got forestry schools attached because that's an important part of your concept that yeah. you want to aim to. Yeah. But equally, you could take that as a concept. You could probably take that as a brand. You could probably take that as a kind of franchise yeah. into another 100 nurseries 100%. that you don't own and you just give them the format the structure, the branding, yeah. uh, and the templates to run that, that school. Would that yeah. be uh, an area that, I think that's, that yeah, you'd add to I that? think that's spot on. Yeah, okay. I think that's spot on. The forest school is where we can really create something special, and there's no reason why we couldn't franchise that to other businesses so, around the country. Yeah, so in effect, what it, it, as a mentor, what, I, what I'm trying to do, and, and your brain is fighting, is I'm trying to say, so how many is it? Is it, is it 10 nurseries? Yeah. How much is and, and And that's an interesting thing to understand because we, um, we have a fear of failure, firstly, 
Um, so we don't want to say it's going to be 10 nurseries and find out it's only three. Yeah. And that's kind of this world of, of X factor and, and social media exposing people's failings and everything. So that's part of the reason I wrote Failure Breeds Success is that everything we've ever been good at, we're rubbish at to start up start okay. with you know we get up fall down get up fall down when we're learning to walk get up fall down get up we don't think i'm clearly not meant to do this yeah so i'm just going to sit down on my bum for the rest of my life our desire to walk is so uh, intense and the fact that everyone else is walking we want to do that yeah. and then whether it's riding a bike learning a lesson uh computer games all these things but we get a bit hurt by failure as we get older so we do we'd almost rather not tell anyone a goal that we're aiming for yeah or or lock into a well we want to keep growing yeah kind of broadness yeah. than lock it down but i do it's it is just like that uh, taxi driver analogy that if we can say well i'll tell you what there's no doubt in my mind i'm going to have at least 10 i'm going to aim for 10 and i reckon the forestry schools uh, we could have that in 40 others so we could have yeah. 10 nurseries and 50 forestry schools yeah. 10 of which we we own yeah. and operate ourselves as the kind of core learning now so i think that i i have this thing so obviously i am originally from peterborough i moved to london 12 years ago and i lived there for for 12 well say 10 years but i've recently moved back to peterborough so now i have this thing where i want to build the biggest nursery group in peterborough because okay. peterborough is my legacy and it's my hometown it's where my parents are and my dad and my uncle were, were businessmen in peterborough so i, I want to continue that legacy yeah, yeah, yeah. so i want people to recognize our name for what we create so it might sound silly but i want to build the biggest nursery group in peterborough Great. and i think the current biggest nursery group has about 15 branches who would that be um I think it's, I think it's Star Stars Day Nursery. Okay, I'll double so, check that, but I think it's Stars. So as we're building the business, as we're building a map, if you like, a strategic transition map, and we're building the business, one of the things that we want to be is kind of obsessively focused on where we're going. Yeah. But I, I often describe that as be like, if you imagine you're driving a car, if you're meandering along at 10, 20 miles an hour, you can probably spend a lot of time looking at what's going on here, a lot of time looking at what's going on. Yeah. The faster you want to grow, the more you need to be future focused. But even in a supercar, you've got a rear view mirror and you've got two side view mirrors. They might only be two or three percent of the available visual and three or four percent of the available visual. And that's the proportion that you should give it. So okay. it's like 95, 90 percent plus is where we're going, what we're doing, what we want to achieve. But it is really important to know what's going on around you for your if you're driving the car, using that analogy, yeah. for your own safety and what's coming up behind or what you can learn from from behind. Okay. So equally, part of any business is understanding those competitors and having that detail and knowing like this one's got 13, this one's got 10. From what I under I can look to company house and the accounts there they're making money they're losing money partly because they might be future nurseries that you buy yeah but partly they're the metrics by which if you can say oh our current uh, current nursery um if we look at that it's making about 15 percent uh margin on turnover yeah uh when i look on company's house it looks like they're making 20 percent and then you ask yourself, what is it they're doing differently, better, best that I can emulate? Yeah. Because if I can grow the number of nurseries, if I can grow the turnover of the nursery by adding different uh, services within that, whether it's a forestry school, um, and I can achieve the same kind of margin they are, I get growth within my margin plus growth within my business. Okay. So, and it's not trying to catch you out. I mean, it's yeah. just part of them. But when someone says, oh, I think they got that, it's like, 
let's get this stuff, let's get it smashed out. Because that, that if you are driving this business forward and you are going to, we've got all our focus on there, but we need to know what's going on behind. We need to know what's going on beside yeah. if we want to uh, be growing it in the best possible way and, and the broadest possible sense. So when, when we're looking at a transition map, is where are we today, where are we going? What areas we got to work on? Uh, competitor analysis, yeah. if you like, or, or best practice um, uh, emulation might be one of those segments. Okay. And we're looking at not just in Peterborough, we might say there's a world-class nursery or there's, I'm sure there's nursery awards and that, you know, the, yeah. the two winning nurseries of this year's nursery awards were these, it's like, let's get in there. Let's yeah. find out what is it they're doing? How can we emulate that? Yeah. Um, there because, are competitors that we've looked at that have won awards and they're, they're 20 minutes from where we are and, and they're people that we kind of almost look up to and they're people that we want to aspire to be like, but obviously better and bigger. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, so, yeah, we, ha- we have looked at that. But the, the, the question that I probably would ask you is, if I set this goal of saying, OK, we want to build the biggest and best nursery group in yeah. Peterborough, how long should that take us? If we have to get 15 branches or more or 20 branches, do I want to do that in five years or six years or seven years? That's where I struggle a little bit. Do I want to do it by the time I'm 40? Or? And when goal setting, it does always have to come from you. Now, I might sort of direct you or challenge you to try and bring that out. And then, you know, it can't just be you because you two are partners. And if you've got one partner, whether they're obviously you're married, but whether you've got three or four partners in a business and one believes we should be here and one believes we should be here and one believes we, you've all got to get aligned first. It's okay. got to be your goal. Okay. But what I would say is, you know, I've worked with businesses that have quadrupled in, in six months. Wow. I've worked with businesses that have only got 5% growth in a year and they're happy with 5%. They just want this really, because actually high growth burns a lot of cash. Okay. So a business that gets high growth needs much more funding than a business with slow growth. Okay. So then we're talking about the money. So to answer your question, what we then look at is we, we start with the end in mind, which is a Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People principle. Okay. If we start with the end in mind and we know where you think you would want to be, like to be, aim to be, then we can say, OK, if we've got to go from here to there in three years, what's the likely scale up? So let's say it was one nursery to 10. We could say, well, what does that look like? Is that a straight line growth? True. Or do you think we take the first year to build a both make build build a base make this the best possible nursery that we can make this nursery by learning from others mm-hmm. and then once we've got that kind of format that template uh, we we can go out and buy knowing we can just put that system in place yeah so it might be let's say this was nurseries as part of your plan we might say okay we want to have 10 we're starting at one uh, and actually i don't mind if we've still got one after after year one okay but by year two i think that should be four uh, and then we're going to really have known that we've not only taken one and improved it but we've applied what we've learned in the one across three more and we've seen it is scalable we've seen that the format is transferable True. and we can then scale up and get six in last year okay. and what then happens because we set a goal it starts with in mind we set 10 okay whether that was the right number or not it doesn't kind of matter in the planning process initially because it then says okay well what does that look like what might that look like and we've agreed it's the one and the four let's say we haven't agreed but i'm saying yeah we're going for we then say look at finance and legal uh and any business the numbers never lie so you've got to get the finances right and everything but what you can say is you know how much this one's going to cost you if you like based on the turnover the ebitda and what price they're asking for so if you were to buy 
Uh, and we know we can build that. What do you think you're going to have to spend to build it? We can add some sums in there that, that we look at. We can then say, well, if we're going to buy another three, what what money will we need in year two? And if we're going to buy six in, in year three, what money might we, we need? Sure. And then we work with uh, uh, an accountant or RFD, and we say, okay, these are the sort of monies to purchase or acquire those businesses. But equally, what amount of that are we going to have to borrow or put more funds into? And what amount of it can be generated from our EBITDA that we're getting along the way? Okay. Because businesses go bust more because of lack of cash than lack of sales or opportunity. Okay. So we always want to make sure the money's there ready should the opportunity arise. Because okay. you might find some of the competitors that are really uh, ideal for you to take and transition. Yeah. Uh, if they suddenly become available in six months, are you going to be ready? Have you got a backer in place? And the whole idea of starting with the end in mind, working on the areas, and you know, this might be sales and marketing, this might be people. So we're looking at you know getting the best people because yeah. winning teams only have the best players. True. So you don't need one bad apple in your in your uh, twelve staff. You know, yeah. to work all these things. Staff is an issue as well. But in they the all have to work on in unison. Yeah. And if you know that this other one's award winning, do you know how to find the best people? Sadly, they're not at the job centre a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think it's really sad. I've been there at the point where I've had to go there, but often they're being looked after somewhere else. Yeah. So sometimes it means you've got to go and find those people and steal them, attract them. So This to is me, our biggest challenge, by the well, way. Well, and on the people. So what I work on is a principle of when it comes to people, I've never seen a great business that hasn't got great people and great people policies. Okay. But I simplify it to a really simple when we're working on that piece. How do we attract the best people? Yeah. What's our approach to training the best people? Okay. How do we motivate them and how do we retain them? And that becomes an ongoing cycle because just because someone has, has been attractive, has got training, has been motivated, doesn't mean you'll keep them because someone else might be out to yeah. try and steal them. So there's always this constant process of are they still attracted to work here? Are we recognizing they're getting better and moving up? Yeah. Are we keeping their training up to date? Are we giving them the incentive schemes or the environment that motivates them? And are we going to keep retaining them? And if we understand what it is about this particular type of business and the type of person who works in it, at whatever level we're looking for at that point, if we know how to attract them, we know what training they need to make them the best possible person and to motivate them. We've given them the packages that motivate them and the incentive scheme to retain them because okay. we've got this ongoing bonus figure. If we're constantly looking at as a key part of our map, and you can see we're starting, we're looking at you know the physical numbers of nurseries, and within that you might have the two streams, which is the sort of base nursery um, and the forest school, um, and so on. And we look at the different strategies for that because we might go one to ten nurseries, but we might get five of the forestry, forestry schools going to fifteen, going to True. whatever it is. Yeah. So we put these numbers in. That will then drive the other elements of the map. Because if you're getting more forestry schools, what's the sales and marketing that gets that those other nurseries to want that nursery school? How do you sell that? What people do you need to do that job? And what are the cost of the people to grow your business? So the whole reason that, that the map generally converges like this mm. is because every area of the business is interdependent um, yeah. on the other areas and that's really interesting because i never thought of them as two separate businesses i always thought that the forest school just belongs to the nursery but i never actually thought that actually if we get the forest school really good there's no reason why we can't scale that up to other places and other nurseries that we don't own 
So it's really interesting. Well, and that's where the mapping becomes useful because what we can, if we look to that and we start to get into the finances of it and the complexity of it and the marketing of it and the demand for it, what we might find is we can grow that quicker and that might fund the purchasing of the nurseries because people are good at running nurseries and or or they have got a good nursery if they've got one and they know exactly what to do. And you're saying, do you realise you could have another fifty thousand pound a year of income if you added this? And if you added this, you could attract people from the other schools in the area, which might then get the families to bring their next children into your net so it becomes this kind of uh, rolling feedback uh, opportunity and you know what you don't need to worry about it we'll give you this package this franchise that shows you exactly how to do it yeah and you might get an ongoing income from much less cost but until we do the map start with the end in mind work back roll it all forward look at the interdependence mm-hmm. which takes normally i mean i could do this in one day or eight or nine hours with somebody but we start the process in this first hour you go away and you think about where where is it i do want to be mm-hmm. charlotte where is it we want to be do we have belief that we could get there especially if we've got the help of someone like mike and we've got a good fd and we're getting the right people and we've got a good marketing team or person that we can bring in and then we, we're back checking till we get to a point where we see that it is properly joined up yeah and we can see and believe that if we do those uh deliver those actions or initiatives in each of these areas and and it feels like a lot but in reality you have five or six actions in each area across a year okay and then what i do from this is because we start with the end of mind we have to do a three-year map to work back to the detail then we say okay we then know what we've got to do in year one We then look at that year one and say, let's break it down even further. If we had four quarters to achieve that, what are we going to do in each quarter? Okay. And then what I do is then break um, uh, the quarter into a month and I can even break, uh, so let's say it was December, January, February. I can then break that if I want using this same uh, grid into weekly actions. So, you know, if you look here, I don't need to get into the detail, but what I always keep with me, I keep a copy in my bag, I keep a copy at home, I keep a copy in my gym because as I'm running after and have it on the treadmill, I'm just looking, what have I got to do this week? What oh, have okay. I got to do this week? So, you know, I have my three year map, I have my four quarter plan, uh, even down to my weekly plan. Now, when I break it down into that weekly bite size, it's like one or two actions that yeah. I have to do this week. And so it takes all the anxiety out of a business growth because we think there's loads to do. Yeah. Well, in three years, there is. Yeah. But across three years, you could have 500 people working for you. So we've not got to do it all ourselves. We could have a management team of five or six people. We've not got to do it all ourselves. Okay. But we can boil it down to, to get from here to where we are, what do I need to do today, this week, this month? Okay. But the first point and the first stage of the mentoring is, We've got to start with the end in mind. Without a clear vision and a very specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, timed. So they say a a goal is a dream with a date on it. So we start with a dream. dream, We then put a date on it and then we work out how to get from where we are to where we want to be. So to, to sort of bring this session to a close, what I would say is the next stage is, before we catch up for another session, is to go back and sit with Charlotte and she can come along next session if she wants and say, okay, look, go through some of what we talked. I'll give you a copy of my book, which also guides you. you through how to do the planning, if you like, okay. uh, and say, you know, where is it we want to be in three years? But we've got to try and be as specific. Yeah. Don't worry about the detail. When I jump in a cab, I don't need to know exactly how he's going to get there. I just set the destination. Our creative subconscious is one of the most powerful things to drive us forward if we give it specific goals. And equally, it's a bit like a sat-nav. You know, you put PE10ND or whatever into a a sat-nav, you don't 
need to see or want to see or have to see any of the detail. Yeah. All you need to know is what turn next, okay. what turn next. And if we can start with the end in mind, work a one-page strategy back and then break it down into bite-sized pieces, it is like having the sat-nav that says, all you need to do is turn left at the next uh, uh, junction okay. or go straight ahead at the roundabout. And, and that's where we're trying to break it down. The challenge with most businesses is that they don't have a clear destination. It's like, take me north. I want to be successful. Yeah. Uh, I want to be better than I was last year. Uh, I want to lose weight. But if we don't say I want to lose this much weight by this date, I don't know what action I've got to take today. True. If we don't say I want 10 nurseries, it doesn't steer me or my creative subconscious to find those nurseries, to think about the area that those nurses are in, to think about the cost of that, to think about the people I need. True. And all we're trying to do is to tease brain, the, the normal behavior of brains, which is not to overcommit, not to um, uh, set or, or write onto paper a goal that others might see that we might fail. Yeah. Get it down there. Written goals, and there's been lots of surveys that show the 3 to 5% of people who write goals down uh, out-earn the other 97%. Really? Written goals, I have never... People who say, it's in my head, yeah, I know where I want to go, I know what I need to do. To know and not to do is not to know. Okay. To know and not to do is not to know. To not write a goal down is to not really have a goal. To have a goal that is vague is is to have a, a an unclear destination. It's really hard to set a plan for an unclear destination. So what we're trying to do um, is to get that in place. Okay. So the first step, if you like, on the mentoring process is go back and think about in three years' time, where do I want to be? Okay. Turn that into some smart goals around those metrics, and I'll email you some of those metrics that we follow in the book as well thank you uh, and then come back and we and we start to if you like interrogate your draft okay so i can say is this uh, complementary to that or does it conflict with that yeah. would you ever put age specific goals in place like i would like to have yeah people often say by the time i'm 40 or yeah whatever yeah but yeah. i don't know how if that works or not should we be saying right i'd like to have the biggest nursery group in peterborough by the time i'm 40 yeah. I'm 32 now, so that gives me eight years. So yes is the simple answer. And often it's a bit like people often set New Year's resolutions on, you know, on the first of the, uh, day of the year. Well, actually, you can, you can set a goal from any day. Yeah. Uh, equally, it, it is a big day for people, 30, 40, 50 and so on. Or by the time I retire, I want this, this and this. If that's the thing that drives you, and that's why I say is I don't give people these areas I give them a template. Is okay. your goal the way that you want to work? The only thing I'd say about setting something for eight years is that it's it's a bit like I could do with losing a couple of stone, let's say. Yeah. Okay. If I say, when are you going to lose it? Why am I? I'm going to do it by this time next year. Yeah. I could do nothing for set nine months yeah. and then starve myself. So it's not enough to make me act today. So we need to be more specific. Yeah, equally, if I say I want to lose two stone this week, well, which leg am I going to cut? Yeah. So it's got to be a time scale that feels like I can believe in the next three years. Yeah. People who just set one-year goals, the challenge for that often is they become incrementalized. They don't dream big enough. Okay. Eight years um, feels a bit big. So what I do is just and say to be there in eight years, where would we be in three Okay. So, okay. Um, and in reality, what, what we do is if we imagine this, we don't change our, we, we set our goals in concrete and our plans in sand. We don't change them every five minutes because that would be like if you're a hurdler, lifting or lowering the hurdle to what you're feeling like today. Yeah. You know, actually, we've got to jump that high. Yeah. And if we're failing today, we've got to say, why are we failing? Is it our nutrition? Is it our energy? Is it our sleep? Uh, and so on. Equally, we don't change our goals every five minutes. Okay. They, 
they are in sand in terms they're flexible but where possible we only review this once a year but if you imagine we've got this goal in a year's time or coming up to a year we say okay let's look at another three years uh, you know has there been something that is so changed that we need to change our strategy covid hitting could be one thing we enter a deep recession could be another in which case we treat it as an aob on our strategy and say okay this has happened this was unforeseen what do we need to do differently okay but other than that we just each year we're looking forward three years we're looking forward three years so if you like we'll pass through our three-year goal by which time we'd have had three three-year maps if you like okay. and so we will be getting towards that eight so what I would do is start with the eight end in mind, which is your eight, set it as a kind of quite um, specific goals, but even saying the best in Peterborough, best by what? The best as in you get the best ratings, True. the most profitable, the biggest. So you've got to even define that and make that specific measurable attainable, that SMART uh, acronym, which I'll, uh, I'll send you and tell you more about, or you can just Google SMART, okay. SMART goals, it explains it. But then very, and we set that like as a, long-term destination it's a okay. bit like saying i want to climb everest yeah but christ that's a long way away from where i am today yeah. so what i'm going to do is i'm going to first set a goal in the next three years to have climbed um kilimanjaro annapurna uh ruinzori or whatever it is because i can see myself doing them and even then when that's a three-year goal i'm going to set a goal this year to do the three peaks okay or something so I'd say eight years is just a long time to. It won't motivate you to yeah. take action today Makes in sense. the same way. Okay. okay. So we focus on the three years. We focus on the three years, and each year you go forward yeah. another three years as you okay. pass through your first three-year goal. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sounds great. Great. Yeah, well, let's do that. So we'll go away, think about what we think is achievable, but we don't want to limit ourselves, obviously. And then we'll come back to you with our goals, and, and I guess we then work from there. Brilliant. And then just as a, you know, to, to, to bring this, is there any sort of burning questions you had that you wanted me to answer during this mentoring session? I think, or are there any things that are sort of already niggling where you're thinking, I can see what you're saying, Mike, but, you know, is there any buts in there? That are there's no, there? no, there's nothing in there that really scares me. The, the, the things that I probably would want to lean on you a little bit on are the actual fundamentals of running a business, because whilst I am in business now, I'm, I don't have staff. You know, what I do is very much me and my business partner, we're doing deals, we're making money, but I'm about to get into something where I'm going to be responsible for 12 people and bills and uh, property and everything like that. So how do we deal with the staff? How do we deal with marketing for an existing business? How do we improve these things? You know, so it's actually the things that are really fundamental to running a successful business, I think is where we need a bit of help. Um, I have a business brain and I, you know, I can use my intuition and stuff, but well, I, I can help you with that, obviously. And that's why I mentor a lot of businesses. We learn a lot, but the, the role of a mentor is to try and say, where do you want to go? How do we want to get there? And then what are the things that might get in the way? So that might be, I haven't got skills here yet. Yeah. And, and a lot of people think, well, I got a degree in this. I went, to, I, I did well at school. I've done my education. The reality is if we approach sort of our life to lifelong learning and life to, um, adapting or learn or getting new skills what we say is i don't have that skill now the question is then do you want to attain that skill is it something you think you can have a passion or a desire yeah, to yeah. or do we employ the best people to do that okay so one of the stories i love is about henry ford left school at 14 couldn't read and write the new york times called him stupid mm. and so he sued them now in court they defended himself and they said uh, he can't read he can't write he left school at 14, therefore, de facto, he is stupid. He said, I've got a box like this in my office. And he defended himself. Uh, and it was a box with six buttons. And he said, 
I may not have all the skills that make you say, or knowledge that make you say, I'm intelligent. But what I do have is these six buttons. If I press that, the best sales brain in the, in the country, the best salesperson in the country will be in my office in 10 minutes. Yeah. If I press that button, the best financial brain in America, if not the world, yeah. will be in my office. And it went through the buttons. And so where, I guess where I'm going with that analogy is you don't need to learn all those skills. You don't need to do all those things. When we got it on map and we realized we do need financial, we do need sales and market, and we do need the right people, is part of our plan then becomes getting the best possible people that you can get to give you the support, especially in areas where you don't have a natural strength okay okay or if it's that you say well i don't have that but i really want to get it it becomes part of our map yeah because i feel okay, like so i would we have evolve the, when we get those skills. yeah i feel like i would have the natural strength but i just don't have the experience so i feel like i would be a good leader and i, I feel like i would be a good md or you know and i feel like i would be good at marketing but i don't have that experience that other nurseries yeah. would have so i guess it's a process of learning and, that, and, 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 and if i was a um if I was um, a surgeon and you needed surgery today and I said to you, I'm going to become a great surgeon one day, but I don't have the experience at the moment, but will you let me practice? Yeah. You know, you think, you must be bloody crazy. Yeah. Of course I'm not going to let you practice. So part of the transition and the transition mapping is saying, you can have all of those skills in three years. Yeah. You could, you could do a degree course alongside your business and you could gain whatever skills it is that you believe are key to this business in that three-year period. True. Or you could just employ somebody to do that. Yeah. Certainly, whilst you don't have the experience, the recognition is we're buying this business. We could have this in 12 weeks. Yeah. So what I do need is to make sure I've got the best possible people now that have got the experience because no one's going to trust me. I'm not qualified yet. Yeah. And I'm not going to trust myself because I'm not qualified yet. Yeah. So I am going to make sure we employ those people. If part of the transition is we transition them out and we transition ourselves in because we gain the skills or we realize that they're not the right person for where the business is growing. I need someone else to come in. Mm. The a real key in business is getting the best people. Winning teams only have the best player. Mm. The key word in that statement is only. Winning teams only have the best players. Okay. So, you know, you take a world-class football team. If one of the team, one of the 11 aren't playing well, the team lose. Yeah. If one of the 11 are sent off, the team lose. They might be a world-class footballer. They're being paid 20 million pounds. They're worth 20 million pounds. But if they ain't working in that team, we need to cut them loose. Yeah. So winning teams only have the best players. If you're not the best player in one of the skills, you can have the overview on the business, even if you haven't got great skill set, yeah. by being a Henry Ford and making sure I've got the best accountants, I've got the best lawyers. That manager's really good, but actually, maybe there's someone at the, the award-winning one who is best that I could employ or attract across who will take us to the next stage. Okay. Now, you have to work within people policies and so yeah. on. But it, winning teams... Best players. No, I like and, that. And, and, and that's yourself included. And yeah. sometimes part of the failure of some businesses is they're not the best player. Yeah. And a recognition that, you know, I'd like to think I need to be the boss because I bought yeah. the business. Sometimes they have to, I'll do this role and I employ somebody who's much better than me to do that role. Yeah. And that's where when we first decided to buy the nursery, Charlotte and I sat down and we said, well, what, what are our roles going to be? And we made a list. We said, right, I'm going to be responsible for finance and accounting because I, I'm, I'm fairly good with numbers and I'm comfortable with numbers. Charlotte's going to be responsible for the children and the education and the vision and strategy. She will be responsible for the parent liaison because she's great with people. People like her. And um, I, you know, I'll, I'll 
probably take care of the business development and the marketing because that's where I have experience yeah. within the property side. <clears throat> so we did split those roles up. So I do think that's really important that we recognise what what each other is going to do. It, it is, so we but don't it's also it's also about making sure you ask for help and get the best help. Yeah. Now, if you are looking to build a business slowly, as I said, you've got plenty of time. Yeah. There's no rush. If you're driving 150 miles an hour because you're setting big goals, it take you can't do all of that on your own. You probably True. need to have have some other people. And I love the interview with. Um, uh, that, that I saw with Steve Steve Jobs um, a few months back. Um, it was an old interview, but someone was saying, "So, what exactly do you do?" This is Steve Jobs. And yeah. he has a bit, a bit, a bit, what exactly do you do? Because you're actually not a programmer. Uh, you're not actually a marketer. You're not actually a salesperson. So, what exactly do you do? And what what really struck me, he said, "Would well, you know what?" He said, "They're like all of the uh, musicians in the orchestra. Yeah. I can't play that instrument. I can't play that instrument. I can't play that instrument. But I can conduct the orchestra." Yeah. And if we can bring ourselves to this point where we see ourselves as a conductor, even if we've got a great skill set in one area, because we get that value of perspective. We can have a, an orchestra that plays in more harmony together, and we can observe and see and and direct. All of them. The danger is if we do one of them as we get scale, yeah. we're, we're not directing the rest. True. And we're probably not even seeing or hearing the rest. So if you want a business to scale, it, it, you don't need all the individual skills. You do need to become a great conductor director. Okay. And on that, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll call it a wrap here today. And uh, thank you. Uh, I look forward to seeing you and Charlotte and seeing where we take that. But, yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for joining us today. If you found that useful or you'd like to find out, find out any more, click on the link um, and we can send you some more information. Thanks very much for joining Success is a System.